0: I do bring you greetings from the campus of Lincoln Christian University. I, I graduated from there a long time ago, and I, I was telling someone earlier that I, I believe that God is a God of grace for many reasons, but let me just take you back. From 1976 to 1980, I was a student at Lincoln. I wasn't a good student. I, I wasn't... I'm not going to tell you what my GPA was. Um, I was in the dean's office a few times, but not, not the right dean, uh, the one that took care of discipline. And, and so... Uh, It's kind of amazing that they would hire me later. And so I I say, here's God's grace. They just barely let me graduate, and then they paid me to come back. You know, (laughs) isn't God good? Uh, But I've been uh, back on campus for the last seven years. I I preached for 34 years before that in four different churches. And uh, I I love doing what I get to do now. I I travel quite a bit. I, I meet with church leaders. On a regular basis, uh, I get to preach almost every Sunday. In fact, there are people who have asked me, after preaching for 34 years, do you miss preaching? And I say, well, I I preach almost every Sunday. I just don't go to board meetings anymore. So no, it's it's not a bad gig. Um, But it's good to be with you today. Uh, The average college student I I read recently changes their major three or four times in the, the four or five years they're in school. And I, I wonder if that has to do with they, they think they know what they want to do and they get partway through and they think, is this really what I want to do with my life? I read not too long ago the average worker between the ages of 18 and 38 will change jobs every 4.4 years. It used to be you worked one job for 30 or 40 years and you retired. Now they're changing all the time. And again, I wonder if it's this isn't what I thought it was going to be. There's got to be more. So many people hit their 40s and 50s, and they go through some kind of midlife crisis. And I, I wonder if that's where they, man, I'm, I'm at that point in life, have I missed it? You know, is there something more? Several years ago, I, I bought a little red convertible. It, it was a 1989 Chrysler LeBaron, red convertible. And my wife and kids gave me a hard time. They said, well, that's your midlife crisis car, and I said, if my midlife crisis is a 1989 Liberian, i a pretty poor life, you know. <laughs> but most of us want to live a life that matters. And so, you know, we do all kinds of things. People are watching Oprah and Dr. Phil and The View, and we bounce from one hobby to another. And, and we're hoping to find something that can answer that question. What's my life all about? I, I want my life to matter. What's going to make me happy? What's going to give my life meaning? What can I get that will... Really, count, and I want to suggest to you that the reason so many people are unhappy today and empty and frustrated and lost is because we tend to ask the wrong questions and we look for the answers in the wrong places you see it 's not about what I can get it 's about what can I give and it 's not about me it 's about God. you see it doesn 't begin with me or you; it begins with God, and as we get to know God better he makes it clear who he wants us to be and what he wants us to do. So today I want to walk through a couple of verses together in in the next few minutes just to look at what God's word says about who we are and why we're here. And uh, the the first passage, and I want you to know that I I look back here, you've got New International Version Bibles, and I used the NIV for a long, long time. And uh, my my preaching Bible, I, I discovered it was getting old and the reason I could tell it was getting old was because the words were shrinking. <laughs> and so I needed to go to a Bible that had a little bit bigger print. And I, I was looking through Bibles, and I thought, man, I've got a bunch of NIVs at home in my office. I, I want to try something different. And so I, I bought a New Living Translation. And I still use the NIV. It's, it's, it's kind of my go-to, but I love the New Living Translation, too. And so the, the passages I use today will come from that. The first passage is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. In the NLT, it says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new creation. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. There, there, there's a, a phrase in the NIV. It says, Therefore... In the New Living, it says this means. Whenever you're reading the Bible and you see that word therefore or this means, that's a transitional word, as a transitional phrase. And, and, and what you need to do, you need to go back and see what was just written because that therefore or this means is connecting what was just written with what's about to come. Therefore, because of what I just wrote, this means because of what you just read. Here's what you need to know. It's kind of like when my, my boys were growing up. I've got uh, three kids. They're all adults, 35, 34, and 31. And my, my daughter is the oldest. She took after her mom. She hardly ever got in trouble. The two boys, unfortunately, took after me. And so we'd have to have those conversations sometimes when the principal would call and say, Hey, Matt did this. Jake did this. And so we'd review what they did to break the rules. And then when I'd say, Therefore... It connected what they did with, you are grounded for life. (laughs) That therefore is an important word. This means. And so when you look at what the Apostle Paul had written, because life isn't going to last, this life, but heaven will last forever. Because one day we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Because Jesus died for us so we should live for him. Because of all these things, this means you belong to Christ now. You're a new person. The old life is gone, the new life has begun. So here's what I want to do. I I want to ask three basic questions. I I learned in high school English that when you're writing a a story, there's the who, what, when, where, why. And we're just going to do three of those today. But we're going to to ask a question, and I want you to give the answer out loud. Now, there's a couple of reasons for that. It it helps you to remember, but I've been doing this for 41 years, and here's what I've learned. It's hard for you to sleep if you're talking. Okay, so i ask you a question, and, and you give the answer. So the first question is who, and, and basically the long answer is anyone who belongs to Christ. Anyone who belongs to Christ. That's a long one. So I'm going to ask who, and you say me. Okay? Who? Me. Who? Me. One more time. Who? Me. Okay. Paul writes, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. That's what life is all about. If you want to have a life of meaning, it starts by belonging to Christ. And belonging to Christ is something that we, we commit to, but it's not just as one and done. It is every day I renew that commitment. Every day I, I, I'm becoming that new person, every day. It, it's a, a, a position we occupy, but it's a process we grow in as well. Uh, my wife and I have been married 38 years. I've tried to be a good husband. I really have. And I think for the most part, I've been a pretty good husband. But I can look back over the last 38 years and see that there are things I could have done better. Things I should have done better. I've got the three kids. I tried to be a good dad. That, that was very important to me. I valued that. But I look back now and I think, man, when the kids were little, I don't know if you can relate to this or not. But, you know, there's a lot of pressure uh, raising kids. And, and sometimes things that are little seem big. You know, something that's a 2 or a 3 on a scale of 1 10 sure felt like a 9 or 10. And looking back, I think, oh, I wish I would have let up a little bit. I, I wish I would have lightened up. I've got five grandkids. They are uh, four boys and one little perfect princess of a girl. <laughs> Someone said you've only got one girl yep she's gonna have you wrapped around her little finger so what do you mean going to <laughs> you know that that happened from day one but but they call me Papa, and i i i don't want to make any of you feel bad this isn't to pat myself on the back but i just need to let you know i may be the best Papa in the entire world <laughs> it, it is uh it's a position I take very seriously. I, I remember when my first grandson was born seven years ago, and I held him for the first time, and I thought, oh, little boy, if there's anything you need, I'm, we're talking money, food, kidney, liver, lungs, heart, I would die for you. I, I, I'm always thinking about how can, I, how can I love my grandkids more. I pray for them every morning at 6 o'clock, my, my alarm on my phone. I'm already up. I've done my quiet time, and pray for your grandkids. And I pray for each of them by name. I'm, I'm always looking for how, what can I do? How can I be a, a, a better papa to my grandkids? And that's really the, the picture I get of what it means to belong to Christ. It, it's not a hobby. It, it, it's not uh, something that we take lightly. It's not a title we wear. It's, it's not one more thing to add to who we are. It is who we are. And I think we've got to make sure we get our hands wrapped around that because sometimes we think, well, yeah, I'm going to become a Christian and, you know, I'm a husband, I'm a dad, I'm a papa, I work here, I do this. Oh, yeah, and I'm a Christian. No. Being a Christian, belonging to Christ is it. It is the most important thing. So that word anyone refers to any follower of Christ. That's you and me. So let's do a little exercise again. I'll ask who, and you say? Me. One more time. Who? Me. Okay, the second question is what? What? And it's a new person. This means that anyone belongs to Christ has become a new person. So I'll say what? I'll ask what, and you say a new person. Now it's a little bit more complicated than me, okay? But you look like a bright group. I, I, I've got faith here. What? A new person. What? I didn't, I forgot it was on the screen behind me, you know. <laughs> Let me back off that You're Bright People statement. I, I don't know. You can at least read. This means anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone. You know, when when we become a Christian, we're given this new start. And, and one of the things that I loved about preaching in, in a local church for 34 years, my, my favorite thing... Was to see life change. To to see someone when the light turns on and they understand for the very first time that there is a God in heaven who loves them so much that He sent His one and only Son and wants to spend wants them to spend eternity in heaven with Him. Oh man, that's exciting. That that is so exciting. They've been given a new meaning, they're new creations, they're new people. When I was 17, I, I graduated from high school, and, and, and I got sick. I, I just, I, My fever kept getting higher and higher, and I, I had no energy. And my mom took me to the doctor, and the doctor did some blood work and said, you're going to the hospital now. That's a little unsettling when that happens. And he said, I, I, I don't know for sure, but your blood level is so low. Your blood count is so low. And I can't remember what it was. It was some kind of emia. It wasn't leukemia. It was the opposite. We're I'm afraid you might have that. And so I was in the hospital for a couple of days, and the blood count wasn't coming up. And so they were going to do a bone marrow test to, to see that. And, and so the night before the test, a nurse came in, and I know she meant to be helpful, but she said, do you need anything to help you sleep? I said, no, I sleep good. Well, I thought maybe you might be a little nervous because of the test tomorrow. I said, no, not really. Well, do you have any questions? I said, well, yeah, how long will I be out? And she said, oh, they don't put you out for a bone marrow test. I started getting just a little bit nervous. <laughs> I said, well, they really haven't told me what they're going to do. Can, can you tell me what they do? And she said, well, they'll, they'll probably go into to, to your breastbone. They, they could go into your head. Probably it's going to be your breastbone. And, and they, they take a needle and they put it into the middle, and that's where the marrow is, and they, they pull that out. I, I was really getting nervous then. And I said, well, isn't the bone hard? (laughs) Yes, it is. Won't that break a needle? Oh, they use a big needle. (laughs) That was a long time ago. I don't remember for sure, but I think that might have been when I wet the bed. I'm not sure. (laughs) I didn't sleep at all that night. And I laid there, and I thought, man, when that doctor comes in, I'm going to say, Doc, you're either going to put me out or tie me down because... I'll probably start swinging if you start putting that needle in my chest. And the doctor came in and he said, I've got good news. You're going home. Now, just to let you know, for those of you in the medical field, going home can mean a couple of different things. (laughs) So be careful, you know, what words you use. He said, the blood work's coming back, you've got mono. You just have mono. You know, I was dressed and ready to go out that door in about 30 seconds because I'd been given a new offer. I've been given a better offer. Now, here's my question for you. Don't you think it would have been kind of foolish if I would have said, Well, doc, that is good news. But you know what? I've never had a bone marrow test before. (laughs) Could I stay here just a little bit longer? That would be foolish. And, and, and the Apostle Paul says that if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation, a new person. We've been given a better offer. Why on earth would we not want to take it? Why on earth would we want to stay in the old? I, I want you to know I'm so happy that, that you all are here at OCC. Uh, th- this is a good church. I, I'm glad you're here But in all honesty, can I just share with you, I'm a little concerned that you're here too. Not because of the church, but because it's so easy to come to a place like this every week and get comfortable. And if we're not careful, we can settle for being in church instead of in Christ. And they're not the same. If you're in Christ, you ought to be in church. But you can be in church and just go through the motions. So I I want to encourage you every day, be renewing that commitment. Be renewing that relationship. Because it's easy to get confused. And and sometimes we we compare ourselves and we'll pat ourselves on the back and say, I'm better than some of those people out in the world. But the problem is, Jesus didn't die on the cross to make us better people. He died on the cross to make us his people. And we are to belong To him, It's so easy to get confused because so many churches are like high moral country clubs where membership has its privileges and and, and people come to a church based on what they can get instead of what they can give. But if we belong to Jesus, if we are new people, we have a new purpose. And life isn't simply about what I want. It's about how can I bring honor and glory to the Father? How can I make my life count for eternity? So before I move on, let's review. I ask who, and you say? I ask what, and you say? Okay, you're doing great. Let's keep going. Third question, why? And the why is to do good things. Why? Again, why? Okay, we're going to switch passages. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 10, and the Apostle Paul writes this, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. That, that verse tells us who we are and it tells us why we're here. The, the NIV says that we are God's handiwork. I like that. We are God's handiwork. New Living Translation says that we are God's masterpiece. When was the last time someone called you handiwork or Masterpiece. I've been called a piece of work before, but (laughs) I don't think it was a compliment. You know, one of the reasons so many people abuse themselves today in so many ways, whether it is in addictions, alcohol, drugs, cutting, there's so many things that people abuse themselves because they don't see themselves as God's masterpiece. They don't see themselves as God's handiwork. And that's why we need to understand who we are And why we're here. I'm a child of God. You're a child of God. It doesn't get any better than that. The second part of the verse tells us. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I love that line. So we can do the good things he planned for us. Long ago. That that means that that God created you to do something. He created you to do the good things that He planned for you to do. God has given us a a gift, and, and, and we are to use our that gift. We are to use our lives to make a difference. A difference in people's lives and a difference for all of eternity. And and here's the deal we get one shot to do it. One shot. My life, your life, we just have this one opportunity to do something significant for the kingdom of God. So here's my question for you right now. What are you doing in your life? What are you doing through your life that will matter 100 years from now? What are you doing right now that is significant enough that it will matter 100 years from now? What, What are you doing with your life that will matter for all of eternity? I'm afraid there are so many people who are just sitting back, kind of watching life go by. Or sometimes we get so busy making a living that we, we forget to live. We forget who we are and why we're here. We, we forget about the kingdom of God. And I guess there are people in this room who might be bored right now. And, I, and I'm not talking about bored with the message. I'm talking about bored with your life. And maybe thinking... There's got to be more. Is this all there is? There are probably men and women in this room who have worked for a career and you've now retired and you think, now what? There are young people and young adults in this room who, my guess is, you're saying, I want my life to count. And I've got good news for you. You are a new person and you have a purpose, your life matters. You are significant. You can make a difference, and God wants you to make a difference. I I love reading through the Bible, and and you see the way God took these ordinary men and women, and sometimes we have them up on this pedestal, but they were just ordinary men and women like us, and he used them to do extraordinary things. He he called Noah to to build this, this big boat, and Noah couldn't have possibly understood everything that God was telling him to do and why, but he did it. He built the boat. And we're still talking about Noah today. God called Moses and he said, I want you to go to Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world, and say, let my people go. Moses didn't want to do it, but finally he, he did it. And we're still talking about Moses today. Abraham. This one just blows me away. He goes to Abraham and he said, I want you to leave your home and go to a place. I'm not even going to tell you where you're going. Just go how would you like to have that? It's hard enough when you say, I'm, I'm going to move from Indiana to Wisconsin. You know where you're going. But go. I'll let you know when you're there. Can you imagine the conversations that Abraham and Sarah might have had? They're, they're on the journey, and Sarah says, where are we? And my guess is it might have been the first time, not the last, but the first time a husband said, God only knows. <laughs> But we're still talking about Abraham today. That happens over and over and over throughout the Bible. A guy named Nehemiah agreed to rebuild the walls, and it gave his people hope. A boy named David stepped up, and he took on a giant named Goliath, and he later became king. Esther risked her life to change the mind of the king. Daniel stood tall for God when others, when others wouldn't. He was thrown in a lion's den. A bunch of ordinary fishermen became Jesus' disciples, and they they... they Started that first church in the book of Acts and it grew like wildfire and they turned the world upside down for Jesus. And I love reading these stories and we need to be reminded that God didn't give us these stories. He didn't use these people so that we would have good stories for Sunday school lessons and sermons. He gave us those stories because their stories are our stories. God wants to do the same thing in your life that he did in their life. He wants to do the same thing in my life that he did in their life, that he wants us to be faithful and he wants us to do something for him. Whatever we do should be for him. Life is not about what we get. It's about what we give. I love what Paul writes in in Colossians 3.17. This is a passage my wife and I use for our, our wedding. And whatever you do, In word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, everything you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. If we can get our hands and our heads and our hearts around that, it's a life changer. You know, I have opportunities to be in a different church almost every weekend. And I've discovered that there are a lot of different ways to do church. One Sunday, I'll be in a church with 25 people, and the next week, I might be in a church of 12 to 1,500. One week is a very traditional worship with a piano and organ. The next week, it's full band. The, the sizes, the styles, they change. But it seems like there's a common denominator, and that is almost every church I go to needs people to step up. Needs people to, to get involved. I read announcements stating that the church is looking for early childhood workers or small group leaders or volunteers to prepare communion or, or people to, to help in the, uh, the, the various uh, ministries through the church or people to help clean the building. And you would think if a church was running 1,200, they'd have all kinds of people to do that. But it seems like so many people come to church to receive a teaching to receive a blessing, to receive a warm feeling. But so often they haven't come to give of themselves. And meaning doesn't come from what we get, it's what we give. And so as a new creation, as a new person, God has created you and he has called you to do something, to do good things for him. Again, real meaning comes from asking, what can I give instead of what can I get? How can I help instead of what you can can you do for me? So let's review one more time. We're going to put it all together, and it's not going to be on the screen. I ask who, and you say? I ask what, and you say? I ask why, and you say? Aren't you glad we didn't do all five of those who, what, when, or why? You know, we're here for a purpose. Jesus said that he didn't come to be served. He came to serve. As followers of Jesus, that should be what we say as well. We've been created to do good works. We've been created to serve. We've been created to, to give of ourselves. And my guess is with this many people here today, it's kind of like when you go to a ball game and, and you just sit in the stands and you watch the ball game. My guess is that some of you come here, and maybe you come here week after week, and you're sitting in the stands. But that isn't what it it means to be a part of the body of Christ. We need to get into the game. And for some of you, and I'd say probably most of you, that means that you need to get involved and you need to serve right here. You need to serve in this church and through this church, not just for the people in this church, but as this church impacts the community you need to serve. You need to get plugged in. You, you need to be looking at how can, how can I use my gifts, my abilities that God has given to me to help this church make a difference. God created you to do something. But I also believe that there are some people here who God has perhaps gifted and maybe called to step out of your comfort zone and maybe even step away from this place Because for some of you, God might be saying, you know why you're not really satisfied with what you're doing right now? Is because I created you to be a missionary. Because I created you to be a minister. Because I created you to do some kind of ministry that's going to go beyond this church and beyond this region. For some of you, maybe God's calling you to, to take some online courses through a school like ours. Just to prepare yourself for that next chapter in life. But I I know God is calling each and every one of us to step up. And I want to encourage you to say yes. I, uh, I resisted the call to ministry that God placed on my life for quite a while. I had no desire to be a minister. I wanted to be an attorney. I wanted to argue big cases in front of juries. I thought that just sounded like, Man, I love to argue and if I could get paid to argue you know that instead of my mom and dad telling me stop arguing I, I thought that would be great and I wanted to make a lot of money I want to live in a big house and drive a nice car that, that was my plan for my life I, I went to Lincoln Christian College back then University now and um, I liked it and I, I went back my second year and I still didn't want to be a minister but through a series of events, I found myself serving as a weekend youth minister in a new church in Plano, Illinois. I was 19 years old when I became that weekend youth minister. I had no idea what I was doing, but I did it with enthusiasm. And I had a 17-year-old girl named Jamie who came to me, and she asked me if I would baptize her. I'd never baptized anyone, and I was excited. And back in that day, I don't know what you do here, but back in that day, everyone getting baptized had a white robe. ...that they would wear. And so I I get in with Jamie in the baptistry... ...and I take her confession... ...and I take her under... ...and I'm getting ready to bring her up... ...and on the way up I noticed that her front of her robe was dry. And I realized there was an air pocket... ...and it had floated to the top. And I... This is a split second. I thought if I bring her up and she's dry in front... ...they'll think I didn't get her all the way under. And if they think I didn't get her all the way under... ...they'll think I'm a bad baptizer... (laughs) And I don't want anyone to think I'm a bad baptizer. I want people to think I'm a good baptizer. So I did the only thing that made sense. I took her down just a little farther. And I knew I had her far enough when I heard a thud and her her head hit. And, And I pulled her up. And I looked in her eyes. Those dilated eyes. They didn't take her to the hospital, so they cannot prove she had a concussion. There's no proof of that. But when I looked into her eyes, I knew. I knew that there was no court case that could ever compare with what God allowed me to be a part of. There was no amount of money. There was no car. There was no house that could compare with what God just allowed me to be a part of. I've been thankful ever since for all the opportunities he's given me. I'm a kid from a little place called Buckhart, out in the middle of nowhere, out in the country. Didn't want to be a minister. I said no many times. I've been able to serve in four churches. I was on a mission board. I've traveled to Africa 13 times. I've been to Afghanistan, Thailand, Cambodia, Haiti. I teach in Mexico every year. Man, I... I never dreamed that any of that would be a part of my life. But when you say yes to God, God is able to use you to do things that is not you, it's him, but he just keeps opening doors. So my question for you today is, what can God do in your life and with your life? What, what can God do with your heart? What can God do with your hands? What can God do with your talents? He's called you to do something. He wants you to make a difference. You don't have to be the biggest. You don't have to be the best. You just have to be faithful and available. I want to wrap up today by telling you a story. It's it's a true story. It's uh, it's my favorite story. Uh, It's a a missionary named Milton, Milton Cunningham was on a plane. He was flying from Atlanta to Dallas, and It was one of those planes that had three seats on one side of the aisle and three seats on the other. He was in the middle seat. The aisle seat was empty when he got there, and there was a little girl sitting in the window seat. He wasn't really paying attention to the little girl, but they were sitting there for a little while, and then he felt a tap on his knee, and he looked over, and he saw it as a little girl with Down syndrome. And she said, Mr., did you brush your teeth today? He said, Well, yes, honey, I did. And she said, Good. You ought to brush your teeth every day. A little later, he felt a tap on his knee. And she said, Mr., do you smoke? He goes, no, honey, I don't smoke. And she said, good. Smoking will make you dead. (laughs) A little later, tapped on his knee. Mr., do you love Jesus? He said, oh, honey, I love Jesus with all my heart. And she said, good, everybody ought to love Jesus. They're getting ready to, to shut the door, and the last guy to come in the plane sat in that aisle seat. And if you've ever done any flying, you know that the international sign for leave me alone is you sit down and you put a magazine right here. And, I mean, I, I don't want to talk, and that's what this guy did. They, they get up in the air, and Milton Cunningham said he feels this tap on his knee. And the little girl said, ask him if he brushed his teeth today. He said, oh, honey, I I don't think he wants to talk. Let's just leave him alone. Ask him. So he tapped the guy and said, "Uh, sir, my, my little friend over here has a question for you. And he looked over, and when he saw the little girl, he smiled. And she wants to know, did you brush your teeth today? And he goes, well, yes, I did. She said, good, you ought to brush your teeth every day. A little later, there was a tap on his knee, and the little girl said, ask him if he smokes. And he said, Oh, honey, it's a non smoking flight. It doesn't matter if he smokes. He can't smoke on the plane. I don't, I don't think we need to ask him that. Ask him. So he said, Sir, my little friend has another question. She wants to know, Do you smoke? And the man said, No, I don't. And the little, little girl said, Good, smoking will make you dead. Milton Cunningham, the missionary, said at that point he began to pray. And he prayed, Dear God, no. Please, no, no. Tap, tap, tap. (laughs) Ask him if he loves Jesus. And he said, oh, honey, that's a really personal question. I I, I don't think we ought to ask. We don't know him. I don't think we should ask him that. Ask him. (laughs) So he leaned over and he said, sir, I'm pretty sure this is the last question. But my little friend here wants to know, do you love Jesus? And the man's smile disappeared. And he said, no, I don't. But then he added this. He said, it's not because I don't want to. It's because I don't know how. So from Atlanta to Dallas, Milton Cunningham, the missionary, was able to tell this man about a God who loved him so much that he sent his only begotten son. And just shared the gospel with him because a little girl with Down syndrome asked a question. So when people say, oh, I'm, I don't have much to offer, what can I do? It's not about you. It's about what can God do through you. He can use a little girl, and he can use you. And here's what I'm convinced of. I'm convinced that there are people within 20, 30 miles of this building who don't love Jesus and it's not because they don't want to it's because they don't know how and they need people to, to tell them they need people to teach them they need people to, to reach out to them they need this church to make an impact for the kingdom in their lives and so many other people's lives we're created for a purpose I'm so thankful for that In a moment, I'm going to pray, and uh, then we we enter a time of of invitation uh, for you just to look at your life, and uh, I I walk forward. I I walked down that aisle in a little country church when I was 10 years old, and I accepted Jesus as my Savior, and I was baptized. I still remember that day. I remember everything about it, but I remember after that, I loved invitation time because I'd I'd be looking around. Man, I hope someone goes forward. I hope someone makes a a decision. I hope someone responds to the invitation. And that followed me. I I was in ministry, and I'd be preaching. I'd stand in a place like this. We'd do the invitation song, and I'm, oh, God, please help someone come forward. Help someone make a decision. Help someone to respond to the invitation. And I don't know if you've ever had this, but I've had a few times in my life where it seems like the Holy Spirit just whap to get my attention. And I was in a place like this. I'm standing there offering the invitation, just hoping that someone would respond. And I felt that whap. And I didn't hear an audible voice, but I, I know it came from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said, David, the, the invitation isn't for someone else, the invitation is always for you. Huh. I know this is probably a given, but the Holy Spirit is never wrong. <laughs> The invitation isn't for the person beside you, or behind you, or in front of you. The invitation's for you. And, and it's not just an invitation to, I've never accepted Jesus. If, if that's where you are, please know, boy, today would be a great day to do that. But it may be for some of you, hey, I'm going to say yes to the invitation. I'm going to step up, and I'm going to give of myself. I'm, I'm going to quit trying to figure out what I can get, and I'm going to start giving. I'm going to stop waiting for people to help me, and I'm going to start helping other people. I'm I'm not here to be served, I'm here to serve. But the invitation is for all of us. I pray that we will not get comfortable. I pray that we will never settle for simply being in church, but that every day we want to be in Christ. God, help us to bring honor and glory to you in everything that we say, everything that we do. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the life that we have in him and through him. It's in his name that we pray, amen. Would you stand, please?